Welcome to Reverb Roundtable, a weekly show that brings the brightest creative minds and digital producers in sports, entertainment, politics, news, and more to share their stories and strategies that will help you become a better leader and creator. This podcast is hosted by Clark Campbell, the founder and CEO of Reverb Agency, an event media production company where the goal is always to make great events look great online. On this episode, we are joined by Axel Arzola, a Cuban producer and filmmaker working in LA. We talk all about how he came from Cuba to the United States to pursue a career in film, the influence he had on the very beginnings of Reverb, and how knowing what your end goal is makes you better at the work you are doing right now. Now onto this week's episode, here's your host, Clark Campbell. Thank you, Tessa. I can't believe that William and I are sitting here talking to one of the OGs back in the old days of Reverb and Social Lion, our buddy, our friend, our brother, Axel Arzola. What's up, my man? What's Axel? up, Rikura? This is so cool, man. <laughs> so good to see you guys. Don't Google that. Um, uh, Axel. <laughs> That's Axel. A, a little inside joke. A little inside joke, but now everybody's going to Google it. Um, we love you, sir. You are out in sunny California. I think you're in LA. Where are you at right now? Yes, I'm in LA. I'm about uh, 25 minutes from downtown. Fantastic. We, if you're not, if you're in your car listening, please go look at this amazingly beautiful human being, uh, Axel, with an amazing hair and everything. The long locks. Um, let's jump in here, Axel. You have been for maybe uh, I don't know ten years an inspiration to me as a human being, and there are many other people, including William and our entire team, who feel the same about you. You have overcome a massive amount of adversity to get to where you are in film in LA. And we want to take people on a journey back and unpack coming from Cuba to Canada, to the US. And how in the world did you inspire people along the way? So can we take them on a journey? Yeah, let's do it. So okay. uh, for those of, of you guys who are listening, my name is Axel. I'm a Cuban filmmaker. I'm, I'm living here in LA. And actually the first time ever that I came to LA was with this guy yeah, right here is. with Clark. Yep. So uh, we were doing a lot of social media on American Idol with one of the contestants. And yep. I remember when I came here, you and I, we went to see the sunset at Manhattan Beach. We did, yep. <laughs> and, you know, it was one of those moments that you have in life where you're like, so many things had to happen for me to be here in this moment, in this place, with these people and with this situation. And that's kind of how my life feels at various times mm -hmm. in my life because of everything that I've lived through. And it's short of remarkable, but at the same time, it's like normal. And I think everyone has that type of, of life uh, where so many things are happening and you don't even realize, but these are amazing things that you get to live. Yeah. So in my case, I, I grew up in Havana. And since I was a kid, I was always in love with the movies and like Terminator and, uh, you know, the Transformers and the Matrix and all of those like big Hollywood blockbusters. But I never in a million years would have thought that I could actually leave the country and come to America. And now be, like the, a couple of weeks ago, I was working at the CBS uh, Studio Center and like I'm walking around all the sets and it's like, you know, this is actually happening. So how many years I've ago been, were you in Cuba? Was it 10? Was it 15? Was it 20 years ago? How many years did it take uh, I, to get from that dream to reality? Yeah, so I came in 2012 to America, so about nine years. Less than 10 years, wow. Yeah, 
which now it seems like a very long time, but you know, like time goes by pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And I remember I met you, I think in 20, around that same time, 2012, 2013. And uh, for those of you guys who don't know, Clark was like the the beacon of social media no. in uh, Cleveland, Tennessee, you know, uh, where uh, I went to school at the university and uh, I was lucky enough that when I left Cuba, I went to a film festival in Canada and uh, I just like got my bags and ran away from the festival in the middle of the night. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. There's a little more context here. You were married, right? That, that you still are, but yes, you and your wife. Yes. So we went to Canada. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah, so we went to Canada and we were going to take part of this uh, like festival, but it was also like a workshop where you had to like film things and edit and, and show everything there. So we get there and this is back in 2012. I had no iPhone or no internet access previous to that. So I didn't know how to work like a GPS or anything like that. We were in Quebec. It was like the mountains of snow were huge and I had my my sweater from Havana that my dad gave me. So we were freezing and we just wanted to figure out a way to get to America. Like that was one of my dreams, always like to come to America. So we had to not let people know that that's what our intention was. Mm -hmm. And also we didn't know if we could really do that. So we wanted to be at the festival and we wanted to be there and like make those movies. But at the same time, it was like our only shot to, you know, we have a, a chance to go to the U.S. and make a better life for ourselves, for our family back home and the future of like our kids and all that. So we just decided, you know, we're going to do it. So we woke up like at five, we packed the backpack. We left everything else there to make it seem as if we just went out to eat or something and we were coming back and we just started walking and I, I found a bus station and we took a bus to Montreal. Mm. And then once we got on that bus, dude, it was like, Okay, like this is it. We're going somewhere. Uh, I don't know exactly where. And we got lost after that bus. We got lost in the metro station. And finally, we got another bus and made it all the way, like about 30 miles from the, the US border. And I was like, you know, 30 miles, that's so far. Mm. Like in my small town mentality, mm -hmm. that's so far. But yeah, there was no more buses. Like no one else was going. So we just started walking. And we start walking outside of the bus station and I'm thinking, well, I'm just going to, if I keep walking, I didn't really know how, how far 30 miles was. Mm -hmm. So I was like, no, we can just keep walking. And then we in the win you're in the winter time. You're in the winter. Yeah. This was in March. Oh. So it was pretty cold up in, in Canada and we got lucky. We found some taxis, uh, like a few blocks away. And then I start talking to the guy. He's and I show him like on a printout that I had from like where to go. And then he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can take you. I can take you. And we had about $150. So we told him, and I will pay you like $70. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, it was like a 20-minute ride. So it wasn't that bad. So we got on the taxi and we started going towards uh, the checkpoint. But we didn't go to like the big, like because I was afraid that that was too big. Mm -hmm. And I had seen on a, on a map that it was on the Canadian side. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You're not going to trick me and tell me like, oh, this is technically in the Canadian side. Mm -hmm. So you have to go back. I'm like, no. So we went to a small checkpoint and it was on a little town. It was like a one-way road. And when we were approaching, I wanted the guy to like let us out of the taxi. And then we were going to walk the last like 
uh, half a mile or something, but mm-hmm. he couldn't like turn around. Mm-hmm. So we keep going straight and then we see the checkpoint, we pull up to it. And then the guy is like this big, tall dude. Uh, and he's like, Oh, passport. And I give him my passport and I'm trying to explain to him in like my broken English. Yeah. And I was so nervous that, you know, I'm Cuban and I want to come to the U S he's like, no, no, where's your visa. And I'm like, well, I, I want to apply for the Cuban adjustment law with like my mm-hmm. thick accent. And he's yeah. like, no, 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 what is that? Like, you have to go back. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And then I tried to get out of the car and the guy takes his gun. He's like, no, stay in the car. Like he starts yelling, stay in the car, stay in the car. So we like, I get back in the car and then he makes us like pull up to the side and then we come out of, he makes us, makes us come out of the car. And I'm thinking, well, this is it. Like I'm touching the ground. So like, I'm I'm safe, right? Yeah. So we go yeah. inside and they start drilling us with questions. And it was just two officers in a tiny little like checkpoint. And wow. he starts like going through our backpacks and like asking me like, what did I do in Cuba and where did I came from and what was I doing in Canada and when did I get into Canada? And like, mm-hmm. funny enough, he asked me if I, if I knew Pitbull, like if I was friends with Pitbull, I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> after a while like they <laughs> keep drilling us with questions and then they get a phone call and then this the big dude looks at us and he's like welcome to america and he just starts laughing oh my he gives God. me a big hug and he's like man i'm so sorry like you're the first cuban ever that i have seen here because this was like way oh, up in new york yeah uh, like no one like over there knew about like the law that the cubans yeah, were allowed yeah with yeah. the US and all of that. So yeah, that was the wow. beginning of our journey. And then uh, through some friends, we ended up in Cleveland, Tennessee. And then I got a, a scholarship to go to Lee University. And I think through mutual friends and family, that's how Clark and I met. Uh, and then we started doing a lot of crazy stuff because yeah. you guys were the first ones that started that combination of like, let's create content, but also it's going to be real time because yeah. it's going on on this event. So. Clark is one of the most well-connected persons that I know. Like everywhere we would go, like everyone knew Clark. So I was like, who is this guy? So I want to know him. Uh, and he was the only one who knew how to use like Facebook and Twitter and That's all that guy. <laughs> yes, it's true. Like this was a long time ago, dude. Sure. Like you're old. <laughs> Thank you, Axel. <laughs> that no, is... just, I, I was always teasing Clark about being old and stuff, but no, he's like always on top of, of tech and communication, which is the part that people maybe underestimate because everyone thinks about social media in the technology mm-hmm. side of things, which there's a lot of tech in it. Yeah. But the, the hardest thing with social media is the communication side of right. things, right. which is what Clark does amazingly with messaging and will is a beast with the images so i respect to you guys like i I love your work we did not bring axel on here to tell us how good we are but we do love you and we appreciate uh your your encouragement to our team um axel that story i've heard parts of it before but that was mind-bending what motivated you to take that big of a risk i know obviously there's clear some clear answers in here but what Mm -hmm. tell me about your conversation with credo when you were like hey we're gonna risk it all we're going what was that like for us it's not a risk it's like there's so much opportunity absolutely so like we uh maybe i'm never thinking too much about the risk i'm thinking more about the opportunity because that was Mm -hmm. kind of the same thing when we decided to come to la uh which graduated from from lee uh my wife was pregnant 
with our second kid. Mm -hmm. And then we moved to Atlanta and started working on film for a year and a half. And then we're like, okay, it's time to like go to LA. Like a lot of the times I'm thinking more about, so what's the end goal of what I want to accomplish? Like I want to work in movies. That's what I want, right? The in-betweens don't matter. Like, so what is it? You need to like figure out a way to get a plane ticket, get Mm. the plane ticket. You're going to, you're going to be there and you don't know anybody. Well, then start meeting people. Like maybe I'm just seeing the end more than the obstacles. And then the obstacles just become a fun thing that you get to figure out and, and try along the way until you get to that point. I don't know. Let's dive into those obstacles a little bit, Axel. So for a little bit of context, yeah. I got to mm-hmm. I got to kind of come up under Axel a little bit mm-hmm. um, as I kind of came into Reverb. And that was a cool experience on its own um, just because Axel, Axel's a legend in his own right, not only in the area, but at what he does. And then we got to work a lot together. We actually got to help make a doc. I got to help him make a documentary. So I've gotten to work a lot with Axel. And Axel, one of the really cool things about you is in a lot of ways, you're you're really self-made. Now, that doesn't mean people haven't helped you along the way. You'd be the first person mm-hmm. to say XYZ person helped me along the way. Mm-hmm. But a lot of where you've gotten to now, working in Hollywood, working on feature films. I know you you've worked on some of the new Disney things. You're you're working on a lot of really big projects. A lot of it was one slow step after another of working on just the next yeah. thing that you had in your mm-hmm. control. So yeah, that's great. For context, we we have an audience of people that mm-hmm. kind of either fit into one of two categories. Either they're like Clark and they lead a team, or they're on a team working in this content media realm. So speak to the people that work on a team for a second. Speak to the individuals who are trying to figure out their place in what they do. Give some advice and, and give your context and story on your philosophy and how you can, you know, you always put one foot in front of the next to get to where you are now. Speak to that a little bit. Yeah, I think I would start again trying to find what your angle is. And I know that's really difficult for many, many, many people. And it was something that I wasn't aware of because I always wanted to make movies. So I always knew what I wanted. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was like, oh, yeah, that's what I want. Like, it made sense. But if you're in a team and you don't really know where you are yet, I would say try to sit down with yourself and try to figure it out. This is an exercise that I, I do with me a couple of times a year. It's like if I were to die in the next... 12 months, then what is the thing that I would want to be doing? And yeah. what do I want to be known for? Or Because, you know, for us as people who work in, in, in this industry, the work that we do really defines how we feel about yourself many, many, many times. Maybe it shouldn't yeah. be like that, but that's the reality. Like, at least for yeah. me, if I'm not working on something that motivates me and, and has me inspired and excited about what I'm doing, I don't feel that great. So you need to pay a lot of attention to that because you're going to spend so many hours working on that. And once you have a general idea of that, then you can start trying a lot of different things to see where you fit in that team. And even if you're doing something that it might not be the end goal of what you want to do, try to do that with with excellence so you can get the attention to be then placed in the thing, in the seat that you want to play. Uh, Like in my case... I went and, and did film school at Lee and I've been directing and I've been doing movies and short films and documentaries and all that on my own. But when I started working in Hollywood, I was the guy filling up the coffee machine and going to do groceries. Mm-hmm. Dude, I learned about groceries a lot. Like I <laughs> never had known about. 
So you had to go and do all of that because I was working in the office as a, a production assistant. And yeah. yeah, you want to be the the big shot and you want to roll in and, and be the guy that was like, oh, he's the, the director. But that's going to take mm-hmm. so much time. If you get a shot to work in a team, no matter what the position is, try to look at the people that are doing the job that you want to do, see what they're doing, but also learn on the job that you are on right now. How can you be a badass at that? Because if you're not yeah. good at that, then you're not going to be good at the other thing. And yeah, yeah. Axel, it, Axel, you need to write a book on this. I don't like painting broad strokes for generational issues. But you are talking to an audience that needs to hear this. And I'm not just saying the, the listeners today, but so many of them think, I just I want to go to from, from point A to B with nothing in between. And you are literally the picture, the portrait of taking step by step to get where you want to be. It's not A to B, it's A to Z. And there's a lot of there's a lot of letters in between it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And usually the people that, at least in my industry, the people that are respected the most are those who have put in the work and they know the little yeah, steps yeah. because there is a lot of things. And also the more, like this is something that I learned with Will uh, working on the documentary. You have to specialize and you have to know your place, but the more you can know about the other people, the better, because then you can recognize, okay, going th- that path, for example, with sound post-production, I have never been a fan of it. I understand it enough to know that Will is way better than me, so he should be the one to take the lead on it. And that is something that a lot of the times, I feel like right now the dialogue in content creation, a lot of the times is, oh, you can do it, you should do it, you should do it, and like pick up a camera and do it and do it. That will get you so far. At some point you need to realize, okay, I have enough expertise to know that there are other people who are specialists at yep. other areas that yep. I'm never going to be able to master, but I do need to play with it and know enough so I can follow on the team. And then I can also lead on the team uh, because a lot of times you'll see maybe it's a, a, a producer or an executive or someone who doesn't really understand the logistics of production or, some technicalities with cameras and things like that. And like, I have been in meetings very high up with people who were like, we were working on some of the biggest TV shows that, that you are going to hear about <laughs> soon. And they were clueless. And we were like, how can these people like, like the, the other people that have been working on, on projects longer, we were looking at each other like, how could this happen? And you don't want that to happen to you, you know, because you, sometimes you only get one shot at going and creating content for that event. And then if you yep. have no idea what you're doing, yep. then you're, you're going to be in trouble. Trouble. I was listening to a podcast the other day and one of the things that they said was like, as humans, we're not made to, to specialize. We're not made to be like the ants. So you need to have generalization in your skill set, but then specialization in your product. Because if you can be more general in your skill sets, what you're saying, you can know more about it. You can then be better at the thing you're specialized about and then work better with those around you who are also going to be specializing in their areas. That's really good. I've never heard it that way. That's very well articulated. You see often the people that are successful are the ones who are generalized, have generalized skills that pull around them uh, those with indiv- uh, individual skill sets that 
that that can grow a vision or a team or, or something. Um, and a lot of that comes down to inspiration, honestly, which I want to take this conversation a little bit towards inspiration for a few minutes as we wrap, because Axel has to be on set today in LA and we need to let him go pretty soon. Um, but uh, Will, tell me the quote you heard from Craig Rochelle to set up this conversation about inspiration. I was, uh, I was listening to Craig Rochelle's leadership podcast today and he was talking about how a lot of, a lot of leaders use motivation and inspiration interchangeably, but they're, they're different. One motivating is you're trying to, to figure out the motive behind why someone does something. But then when you're in, like when you're being inspirational, you're inspiring them. You're taking, having them want to take action, even if there's not a motive personally for them to do so. And one of the things he said is good leaders motivate, great leaders inspire. So on that note, Axel, you have been top five, if not top two in my life of inspirations um, for many, many, many reasons. I've had wow, such... I didn't know that. Yeah, you, without question. There's zero question that this is a... Uh, this is not debatable in my life. You have inspired me. I've had some of the greatest moments of joy, especially being in California with you those times that we traveled from the South over to uh, California. Um, what do you... How do you feel inspiration has helped you uh, get where you are um, in others being inspired by you and almost coming along and nudging you forward because you've inspired them? And do you feel like it's played a role or not? Yeah, it's, it has definitely played a huge role. And some of the things that I feel more proud about is like those moments. And also I had kind of similar moments with Will where we're working super late but we're kind of enjoying what we're doing because yeah. it's more about who we are becoming by doing the work that we're doing. Oh, yeah. And that has made all the difference for me because a lot of the times, if you don't have a reason why you want to do something, it doesn't really make sense uh, to do it. And I think that goes with the motivation, like what's the motive? But then there is like the last 20% where I know that I push through because of who I want to be. That's right. And then that's how I self-inspire myself. Mm. And then whenever I'm talking to someone and I love to, to talk to like younger guys and, and girls and gals, however you say that in English, uh, younger people who are maybe less uh, experienced and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do and all of that. I love to find who is that they want to become. Right. And you can see it. Like when you start talking about that, people get like the little sparkle yeah. and like, they once they can see that vision, then the other stuff matters less, or you'll be less worried about what people would think, or if you fail, or if it takes too long, because you're working towards who you want to be. So I think that has been a key in my life. And usually when I talk to other people and I'm trying to figure out how to motivate them, usually the motivation is more of like, get this done, get this done, get this done, because you need it. And you need it because it's going to build who you are going to be in the future. And then that being, I think that identity, and I can see Clark like, ah, he's excited about this. Uh, I think that identity, once you learn that that is mm -hmm. something that you can build on, mm -hmm. then you become like kind of limitless. Then you start doing things that might not be normal for other people. But then for you, it's like, of course, that's what I would do Right. If I was the person that I want to become, and that's why I'm doing it now. 
the only commentary I have on that, Axel, is I think there's a lot of non-young people. I think there's a lot of 30 and 40-year-olds that may be listening to this that have not discovered that. I won't say arrived at that. I just, mm-hmm. they're still wondering because the world is such a vast playground. There's still 30 and 40 and 50-year-olds, maybe mm-hmm. older. Like, how can I make an impact? What inspires me to become something? Uh, and so I think what mm-hmm. you're saying is true to our audience as well. I would say it's true to me. Uh, I wrote it down this week. I, I, I have a, a Figma board. What's it called, Will? What's a it fig called? Jam board? You got a fig, fig jam, jam board going, dude? Fig jam yeah, board, I do. And it lists out, Tessa, what do Tessa's I want? Applauding. I can see her at the bottom of plotting. loves it. So if you don't know what fig, fig jam board is, great. Go Google it. That's worth Googling, not, not Rikuda. But um, it's, I've started writing out. I've, it's been up here in my mind, but I'm trying to take it from here to something tangible. What, where do I want to go? What trajectory? What inspires me? And I think you could do it today. You don't have to go, well, I missed it back in my teens. No, do it today. So good. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And you should, and you should like revise yeah, that absolutely. as often as you need to. Like, hey, like even like you guys said a lot of nice things about me and I appreciate it. And I, I feel amazing. I'm going to go and kill it today because I feel so hyped <laughs> up because of this. But dude, I also have many, many, many times where I feel like, you know, I haven't accomplished what I want. I'm maybe too old to have the success that I want. I don't have the finances that I want. Mm-hmm. Like I have also problems with my family. I have problems with yeah. Yeah. Uh, like the type of work that I want to do. Like we all have a lot of situations and things mm-hmm. that go beyond just our career that also influence everything that you're going through. So mm-hmm. I-, I want to like let people know that, you know, I understand where you might be coming from and you might be, dealing with a lot of external circumstances but it's okay like it's okay if you have to take time to figure out your board whatever that thing is i don't i don't know exactly what the board is <laughs> <Figma> but, something <laughs> yeah but jamboard board when you're trying to figure out who you are and who you want to be and who you want to become that's mm-hmm. that's serious that's not supposed to be easy yeah, uh, and it's okay if it takes a little bit of time. As long as you understand that you have to sit down and take the time, it's not going to just happen by accident. But you do have to take some ownership and authorship on who it is that you want to become. And it takes you deciding, am I going to go and meet these people or not? Like, There's a lot of things that are in your control. And there's a lot of things that you can't control, but at least focus on the ones that you can and make sure that you're doing something that you love and that you want to build for yourself. Listen, I'm cutting you off, man, because you got to get to the studio. I yeah, am. Go. I'm choosing ear to ear right now because I am so inspired. You're you're a freaking beacon of light, Axel. You are a beacon of light, and you. I hope one or two people listening to this podcast will leave and go. I can do this. I can do this because you know what? You can do this. Thank you, yeah, Axel Arzola. You're welcome, Thank guys. You, I love you guys. You too, I man. Hope I get to see you guys soon. You too. Come to LA already. <laughs> <laughs> Clark, what are you doing? Why aren't you here? <laughs> Why am I not there? Axel's been asking me to come to California for 10 years. I love you, man. Will, hey, you, thanks. Next re- Reverb Roundtable, we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to bring you more amazing content just like this from Axel Arzola. Have an amazing day. 
Thank you so much for joining us this week on Reverb Roundtable. Axel drops so much wisdom that both people new to the industry and those that are decades into their career can take to heart, and we hope that you are as inspired by him as we are on the daily. Don't forget that we write up show notes for every episode. All you have to do to grab those is just go to rvrb.cc forward slash podcast. We'll see you next week on Reverb Roundtable.